Welcome back to another episode of Unapologetically Anxious Me, Confessions of a Haitian Girl in Small Town, Minnesota. I'm your host, Joe, and today I am so thankful to be able to have an opportunity to connect with you after the end of a very, very hard day. So in a world where so little is in our control, today I felt so defeated. Being the well-informed being that I am, my day started off with my usual checks of social media and news, and one of my very first check-ins was the Ahmad Arbery case. I watched a video of his family's lawyer on YouTube, and as I watched, I was pleased at all the ammo they were bringing together and working to get this case to stick and to really bring this family some justice and finally give them time to grieve in peace. Thank God, I said to myself, this time it was going to be different. But my celebration was short-lived. The minute I read the headline which started, Minneapolis man killed by police, my heart dropped. Not again. As I quickly checked news sources and double, triple checked the resources to make sure it was true, my eyes flooded with tears as I watched the heart-wrenching video of George Floyd gasping for breath and verbally screaming, I can't breathe. In a blurry, almost trance-like state, I looked down at the floor where my son laid, happily engaging with his stories on his tablet. Like a leaky faucet, the tears ran down my face, and as I imagined him as an adult and potentially in the same position, my head and my heart just couldn't handle it. I thought about what's going to happen when the world could no longer see him as cute. How many years before he became threatening? The notion was too much for me to bear, and before I knew it, I was sprinting into my closet to get down on the ground, press my back up against the wall, gripping my knees, and just fell apart. I cried harder than I have in months, and man, it fucking sucked. That was the first of three trips I would take to the closet throughout the day today. As a kid, I loved hanging out in my parents' closet in their bedroom. My parents are what I would call a mild case of hoarding with a heavy dose of clean freak. Their closet made for the most perfect hangout because it was so full of stuff. Being the daughter of two prominent church members, our home seemed to be a revolving door with visitors and Haitian family and friends. Whether they were there for a church service or a quick prayer with my dad, or to grab some good old Haitian home cooking, I knew the closet was the one place no one would find me, though they rarely came to look. (laughs) You know, better to be seen and not heard kind of thing, an old school Caribbean parenting mindset. My mom anally kept all of her church clothes carefully wrapped up in those cheap plastic dry cleaner bags And I blame my mother till this day for my real disdain of wire hangers. Insert the mommy dearest (laughs) voice here. But I digress. I would slide the door closed, 
and crawl all the way into the darkness in the very back of the closet, pushing all the clothes forward. I'd sit up with my back pressed up against the cool wall, enjoying the darkness and the silence. To me, that closet was what safety felt like. I started having panic attacks throughout my preteen into my teen years. I never knew what it was or that it was even considered an anxiety attack. I just thought I was super weak and felt way too much. Where would I get such a crazy idea? Well, my parents told me over and over and over again. They were all about the stiff upper lip, never let them see you sweat kind of business. And I was, well, not. I'm a walking tear duct, guys. <laughs> Over the last few years of tackling my anxiety and depression, I learned to mentally create a container and safe space. As we worked through some of my major traumas with EMDR therapy, I came to find that that closet locked in my mind. Sometimes my attacks came in varied and different rates, and being alone was one of my greatest fears. Physically going to the closet and just allowing it to pass and just be there in the silence by myself with the world shut out. Trust me, I thought I was losing it when I first tried this. But I just remember thinking, bitch, you got another better idea? <laughs> if I had to really put a face to my anxiety, okay, so maybe I have, she'd be a mashup of the twin sky and jazz in the ABC hit TV show, Grownish played by Chloe X. Halley. Anywho, I figured I have got nothing to lose. So, to the closet I went. <laughs> Today, my closet and I bonded. In fact, there were a couple of times I considered creating my dream space, my dream escape, right there in the closet. Now, I don't got a walk-in closet, y'all. But if you knew how little of my home is dedicated to just me, you'd catch my drift. As the news and updates unraveled throughout the day about George Floyd, I began feeling better as the different angles of security cameras and cell phone videos flooded social media. I followed up on every lead and tried to responsibly post and spread the news as accurately as I can on this podcast platform as well as Voices talk show platform. And shameless plug if you guys have been following or listening to me for a while you will know that i am the creator of voices talk show which is a panel-based talk show that actually discusses real social issues in a small town setting it's very intimate it's amazing it's my proudest work and it is still up there, season one. Find it, Voices Talk Show on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. Again, I digress. The officers were fired. It's a start, but it's not enough. Let's be clear. The police murdered an innocent Black man who they claim was resisting arrest when he was literally gasping for breath and saying he could not breathe as three officers pinned him down with their knees, one of them repeatedly jamming his knee into the back of George's neck. All this as one other officer just stood and watched. This 
is the shit we need to con continue to fight against and with everything we have. In the same heavy news cycle today, a woman literally tries to weaponize her white privilege and falsely tell the police, call the police claiming that a black man or an African-American man was threatening her and her dog. When all he asked her to do was simply put her dog on a leash, enforcing the park's rule, there are legit signs everywhere. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. I'm taking pictures of the cops. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. Excuse me? So this Karen, yes, I said it, Karen, went on her cell phone, screaming hysterically to the 911 responders, an African-American man is threatening me and my dog. And with each time she repeated it, she played up her voice to sound more hysterical, like she was really being hurt. Luckily, the guy recorded the whole damn thing and it's gone so viral. She was fired and put out this ridiculous statement talking about how she didn't mean to hurt anyone and that she's not a racist. Bullshit. The icing on the cake is the fact that in the midst of all of this tomfoolery, she was dragging and choking her very own dog to get it on the leash as she's screaming into the phone. I believe her dog was actually taken away and well, man, it felt fucking great to hear that. We really need a win. She should definitely be made an example of or fined or given probation or something so people understand why it is so important to not just jump to conclusions and call the police on Black people whenever the hell you feel like it. And this woman proved that she completely believed all she had to do was sound hysterical and be upset and she would get away with this. And and that is that is the kind of thing that just makes my blood boil about all these situations. So on the heels of losing Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and now George Floyd, enough is enough. I know my friends have got to be tired of hearing this stuff all over Facebook, and I am a very big proponent of making sure that I put this out there, no matter how annoying it gets. <laughs> 
but this is hella black and white for me, pun intended. You're either on our side or you're not. There's no half stepping. Don't wait until the next hashtag is your friend or your neighbor to feel moved to act. Later on in the day, I came across an image of a little black girl sitting on the curb somewhere in Minneapolis, writing this on a poster board in big black letters. I want to live, please don't kill us. And it dawned on me in what looked like maybe 10 years of that little girl's life, policemen murdering unarmed black men was the norm. And I looked over at my sweet four-year-old daughter and my heart ached all over again, a second wind. It is time to take actionable steps, you guys, to being an ally. Realize our community is under attack. Our president is a bigot. Our healthcare is trash. Our people are some of the most affected people by the coronavirus pandemic. Modern day lynchings are literally happening before our very eyes, and we are now being patronized with bullshit comments from presidential candidates that we ain't black enough. And black people saved your political life in the primaries this year. They have things they want from you. And one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I it's will. A, it's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. Really, though? When is this going to end? No president has ever become president without the black vote. I'm glad it's all lasts for you, but for our people, are being publicly executed and gunned down with no regard towards our human lives and getting away with it isn't okay. It's not funny anymore. It never was. I'm going to need you to take several seats, Joe Biden, and realize you're the only hope we have. At this point, my sock drawer could be a better president than the racist in chief we currently have. Angela Rye actually made an excellent point about this interview that Charlemagne the God did with Joe Biden, where he actually made this ridiculous comment right before it ended. Probably one of the most listened to platforms, which is the Power 105, The Breakfast Club, which Charlemagne the God actually hosts along with Angela Yee and DJ Envy. And so this was a medium that um, probably a good majority of the Black community actively tunes into every single weekday. And for this man to have the audacity to fix his lips, to tell us we ain't Black enough, if we can't decide whether, if we can't decide between him or Trump, yo, what the hell? 
it wasn't even necessary. It wasn't the most exciting interview, but it was bad. It wasn't bad until the idiot chose to close with this stupid statement. And what's so frustrating is that you have got to know what this is going to do. This very act, this very comment is going to motivate those who say voting doesn't matter. This is going to give them a reason. They have to choose between a racist motherfucker that we've been stressing with for the last four years or another man who patronizes us about our blackness. Yo, it's not, it's not cool. It's not going to fly. So Rachel Lindsay of The Bachelor just did a podcast episode with Nick Vial on his podcast, Vile Files and just really explaining the general idea behind the use of the n-word why it's such a big deal but the n-word is something that is so deeply rooted in our history in the american history i think that a lot of people just honestly do not understand the history that's related to that word. So let's just take it back a a few centuries. So African slaves were literally kidnapped off of the African coast, shaved, stripped, and shackled down into extremely tightly bound, and I mean barely inches between one body and the other stacked them on top of each other like cattle men women and even children by the time they would make it from the african continent to the u.s more than 40 percent of those slaves died and some even committed suicide. That word is what they called them. So imagine this, you're taken away from your land, you're brought over, starving, barely making the trip, probably sick, get off of a boat, get off of a giant boat, and you're automatically put on a stage and nothing but maybe some some clothing, some scraps of clothing, and some for some slaves, it was just all naked because they were treated like cattle, and they were up for auction. Your your value depended on how much you were worth. Uh, can you produce a baby? Can you? farm can you do this can you do that how strong were you can you work all day and night and that was the life that these people entered into that word was meant to strip them of their culture that word was meant to infuriate and make us inferior and even after slavery ended that word was still weaponized against our community. That word continues 
to be weaponized in our community and throughout the early 20th century and beyond, people really made it a point to claim the power back from that word saying that you're not going to use this word to oppress me. You're not going to take this word and demean me. We took the power back. And how we choose to express that pain, how we choose to culturalize that pain is up to us. Just like in the case where in the LGBTQ community, until the in recent decades, we were still using the F word regularly. And it wasn't until the LGBTQ community made us aware and educated us on the pain and the history that was attached to that word, do we now know not to use it. And it's that simple. We just don't use it because it's not, you've got so many other words to choose from. You just don't have to go there. And it's the same thing with this this N-word debacle. I don't understand white people's need to constantly debate this. It, it's, it's a word. It's a word that was used for us. I, I have no idea why this is such a hard notion to understand. Rachel Lindsay actually made this point. If a Jewish rapper came out and was saying all these things that are anti-Semitic or are about derogatory about the actual Jewish people, you would not tell that rapper, no, you're not allowed to talk about this because of whatever. You can't tell them, just like I, if they told me, hey, don't say that word or whatever a word is that offended them, I would simply just be like, cool, that's it. I won't use that word. It's no, it's no um, weight off of you. It, it takes absolutely no, like, effort to avoid saying it. It just simply is a horrible word to use. And unless you can relate or are part of that race, it really makes no sense to even confront the idea. Just like in these other communities and marginalized spaces, people are there to teach us and educate us and enlighten us on how to be better. And for me, as far as the end goes, it is, again, very black and white, pun intended. I was also really shocked to find out from Rachel that prior to Hannah even responding on her Instagram, she actually called Rachel and they had an honest conversation and Rachel just told her, honey, own it, own it. Be, t- get on there and apologize. Let them know how sorry you are um, and just own the situation. So Rachel said that she actually told her that she felt like 
it would be an icky thing to do to go on social media and make a statement. And that she wouldn't be sincere if she did that. So instead, Hannah took the coward's way out and issued an obviously PR team manufactured story post apologizing and in words and that only lasted up to 24 hours. Homegirl wasn't even bold enough to put it on her actual news feed and man, I, I just can't defend that. You guys know I have been a fan of Hannah Brown. I it's the franchise Bachelor Nation is one of my guilty pleasures um, because I really loved how she owned her own fucked up season and she came out shining for someone who preaches about being bold and confident. This was as cowardly as they come and I lost so much respect for her. I pray that Hannah Brown finds it in her heart to do the right thing and speak directly to the public herself. Please don't just pop back up on my feed two months later with some bullshit IG modeling post or sponsoring post. I'm not having it. One of the things that a lot of people are debating, it's so crazy, there's uh, there's so much politics going on right now in a time where I feel like we shouldn't be dealing with that. And a lot of that is surrounded around the idea of wearing a mask. And so wearing a mask in public is definitely something me and my family are doing, me and my husband, of course, and particularly when we go out in public. And of course, the kids have been home and with us, so they're never really anywhere where they would need a mask. But um, we've even gotten them masks in case we need to do that in the future. And we don't, we don't really know what's going to happen. So it's actually, it's funny because there's been so many things, disparities around it, racial disparities around it, um, just the concept. There's been a lot of people who are concerned about being targeted publicly by officers or police, people of color who are wearing masks, who now can appear more threatening than, than the usual level of threatening that a lot of people claim to feel. And it's really hard being the wife of a black man in a small homogenous community. I completely relate to this concept because ever since my husband has started doing this over the last couple months, my heart drops a little bit every time he leaves the house. And it's crazy that him trying to protect himself and others has become a political statement and it's also something that we're fearful of. We're fearful of him seeming more threatening than usual and we've even gone so far as to purchase masks that actually have small animations on them so that he doesn't look threatening or come off as threatening which is insane but it's a legit fear especially for where we live and it's crazy because no one should ever be in the position of choosing between their health and 
life or possibly getting involved in fatal situations but it's definitely been another level of anxiety on our plates and for me to deal with as his wife and just wanting him to be safe I want of course to be safe but it's hard when you're thinking about all these other social issues that get in the way of you doing something simple and following the rules and trying to be uh, vigilant and protective of yourself and others and not spreading anything so it's been it's been hard to deal with that I I saw a post recently um, or a meme recently that was just really beautiful and it just was a gorgeous little pic, uh, illustration of people of all backgrounds and um, colors and they were um, all wearing different masks and it just said that wearing a mask is an act of love and I completely wholeheartedly agree with that and, and I hope that um, more people are are seeing that as that as that level of you know care from people I mean um, it is disappointing because in my community and particularly, I don't see a lot of people wearing masks and I rarely see that actually. And I think that it's so disheartening. It's so disheartening to know that, you know, not many people are taking this seriously. And, you know, every day we're hearing the stories and at the end of the day, like, there is real lives that have been lost in this tragic situation and tragic moment in our history. There has been families who have lost family members and never even got an opportunity to say goodbye and people who are dying alone, you know, and I don't think that in the midst of all of our crap as human beings that we're so focused on every day from politics to economics and just trivial life things that we find at least we find trivial that really at the end of the day means nothing when human lives are being lost and we have to be able to get to a point where we're not treating human lives as if they're disposable and nobody deserves to have that treatment and and so I really encourage you guys to try to refrain from indulging in the negative talks and the politics and the debates of it all. I, I encourage you to focus on those who are grieving, those who are hurting, those who are sick, who are actually affected by this in a whole different way than we are. And it's it, it's a, truly a luxury to be able to sit in our homes and healthy, be healthy and to be behind a keyboard and, you know, writing all sorts of, you know, things on social media. So I think that in this moment, it, it, it really is a great time to really try to educate yourselves. And I think allyship in this moment is so important. Um, to also realize the communities that are being affected by this. Um, the black community in particularly is really being affected by this because we have 
the least access to, you know, things like healthcare and where a lot of these communities are not wealthy and it's just a myriad of issues. And let's not also forget those of us who are quarantining, who are also struggling with mental health and addiction and suicidal thoughts and just all these hardships that so many of us don't get the opportunity to actually um, talk about out loud. And in a moment where we are isolating, it's very easy to mentally isolate as well. So reach out to your friends and your neighbors and your family members and just truly appreciate communication at this point and and conversations so yeah today was hella hard and I pray tomorrow is even better and I really want to thank you guys and for supporting me for supporting me on Facebook some so many of you are sending me messages and it is just so sweet I love having a community that I can be honest and open about my life experiences and it means so much to me to continue to grow our audience and to just continue to be able to share these experiences and open up these dialogues with you so Please, if you haven't already gone ahead, follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram. Um, you can also catch up on any podcast, past podcast episodes on any of your favorite podcast listening apps or the one you're listening to right now. So until next time, peace and light. Bye.